Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today I'm going to begin this sermon with a story about my life that is so inspiring, so uplifting, that you're just going to walk out of here in tears. You see, when I was 14 years old, I fell in love. It was the summertime right before my sophomore year. And my best friend and I had started by playing badminton. Because, see, in PE class at the end of the freshman year, we had won the badminton championship. So we were playing in his front yard day after day. But the thing about badminton is when you swat at that birdie really hard, eventually things start to tear up. The birdies were the first to go. And then as we were diving on the ground for, to, to make a great shot, the rackets messed up. And so my friend suggested, why don't we go and play tennis? Well, I'd never played tennis before, but I thought, why not? So we went out to the high school courts that were just down the street from us, and we started playing. And that's when I fell in love with the game of tennis. And we played, and we played every single day of the summer that we were home. It, it, even if it rained, we would wait for the rain to end, for the courts to dry up, and we would be out there playing. And then even after school wing came back, I kept on playing and kept on playing because I just loved it. And, and somewhere along the line, I decided that I was going to try out for our high school tennis team. Now, the thing about this is our high school tennis team was quite good. We had won 14 consecutive conference titles, but I'd been playing every single day. So I stepped out on that court to try out, and I was hitting the balls back and forth, and every time I shot one over the fence, I would run and get it faster than anybody else on the team. And, I mean, we were, we were just going back and forth. And then at the end of tryouts, the coach sat us all down and started reading the names of the people that made that team. And it got to the end of the list, and my name was not on it. That is not how you expected that story to end, was it? It's sort of like Rocky. Have you all seen the Rocky movies, like all 45 of them? They're great, aren't they? Now, the first one I ever saw was Rocky Three. That's the one with Mr. T, you know, and where, you know, Mickey, the trainer, dies at the beginning. And, you know, so Rocky loses his belt, his trainer, and then basically his way of life. All right, but so that's the first one I saw, and, and I loved it because what happened was Rocky pulled himself up by the bootstraps and, and trained real hard and, and worked with Apollo Creed, and it was great, and he, at the end of the movie, he wins. And then a couple years later, the original Rocky was on TV. Now, see, I was only two years old when the original Rocky was in theater, so clearly I did not go and see it, but I thought, hey, it's a Rocky movie. Nothing is more inspiring than a Rocky movie, right? And so here's Rocky, this basically a bum from the streets of Philadelphia. His job was to go and rough people up who owed money. And so, but he was an amateur boxer. And it was 1776, the bicentennial. And so the heavyweight champion of the world, Apollo Creed, has, has this idea that he's going to give a chance to a nobody for the belt. And somehow he picks Rocky. And Rocky starts to train and work hard. 
and it's great. He falls in love with Adrian, and, and everything's going his way. And then he gets to the ring, and there's Apollo Creed, the heavyweight champion of the world. And, and, and they go at it, and every time Rocky gets knocked down, he gets back up, and he gets knocked down again, and he gets back up. And then at the end, Rocky loses. What? I mean, are you kidding me? That's the end of the first Rocky movie. He lost. Okay, great. He, he made the distance. Who cares? He still lost the fight, right? I mean, is that the kind of inspiration that we look for? Is that the kind of story that we really want? I mean, we want the victory. We want the love story. We want everything to be all tidied up at the end with a bow on it, don't we? We want to see people win and, and things to turn out the way they're supposed to. You know? And that's why this gospel reading is, is a little bit disappointing. You see, this guy comes up to Jesus, kneels at his feet, and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And now this is pretty shocking because it, in that culture, you didn't call anyone good but God. But he called Jesus a good teacher, a, a good rabbi. You definitely wouldn't call a rabbi good because this, that would be raising them up above where they are. So obviously he knew that Jesus was special. He knew Jesus was above just any other rabbi. And so Jesus answered him and says, you know, why do you call me good? Nobody's good but God alone. And then he goes to answer his question. He says, you know, well, what does it say in the commandments? And so the guy's like, well, honor your father and mother. Don't kill, don't steal. You know, goes through the Ten Commandments. And it says, do these and you'll live. And the guy's like, sweet, I've been keeping these since my youth. I, you know, I am spotlessly clean. I'm a good guy. And he was a good guy. I mean, I, I can't impress that upon you enough. The guy that we're talking about, he is not some jerk off the street that, that Jesus was just pacifying. He was a good person. And Jesus says, but, you know, you lack one thing. Go and sell all your stuff and give the money to the poor and then come follow me. And the guy went away grieving because he had many things. And then Jesus said something else that was just totally mind-blowing to the disciples who were there. He says how hard it is for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. And I'm like, What? Yeah, it's really hard. In fact, it's so hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to go to heaven. And so as you and I are hearing this, we're like, we're fine. <laughs> that doesn't apply to us. But see, you got to understand, in that culture, they believed that the people who were the most blessed by God were the rich people. The reason they were rich was because God had blessed them. And so who would be the ones most worthy, the ones most obviously going to heaven? It would be the rich people. That's how they understood God to be. And what Jesus is saying is quite the opposite. This is not what they were expecting. This is like Rocky losing at the end of the movie kind of not expected. You know? But here's where it all boils down to. You see, we hear this and we're like... Oh, well, then it's really hard for rich people, so that doesn't really apply to me, or maybe it does. But this is the thing. This text is not about money. It's not about wealth. It's about trust. Because, see, in our culture today, we believe that 
if you got mind, muscle, and or money, you can overcome anything. It's all about whether you've got the brains, whether you've got the backing, or whether you have the ability, and then you're okay. And see, so rich people don't have to worry about anything. It's always they can take care of it. They can take care of themselves. They're not going to bed worrying about where their next meal's coming from. They're not, going to, they're not out there worrying about whether or not they're going to be able to pay their bills this month. They can count on themselves, just like you and I can count on ourselves, right? As long as everything's going great and we're clear sailing, we don't have to trust anybody or anything but me, right? See, that's what I did trying to out for the tennis team. I played against my friend Chris day in and day out, day in and day out, and I didn't make the team. And then I realized, you know what? I can't do this alone. I don't have what it takes. And so I had to get help. I got lessons. I got people that actually knew how to play tennis to help me learn to play tennis. And yes, the next year, I did make that tennis team. But the truth is, I couldn't do it alone. And that's what Jesus is saying here. When it comes to salvation, my friends, it is not something that you and I can do alone. We are not good enough. We are not smart enough. We are not strong enough. Only, only through God can it happen. It is impossible for mortals. But through God, through God all things are possible. Including fallen, broken, broken sinners entering into the kingdom of God. Fallen, broken sinners like you and me. Because you see, through God, sending his son Jesus Christ, those gates have been opened for all of us. For all fallen, broken sinners. Yes, it is harder for us to go through the eye. It is harder for us to go into heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. Not because of, not because of too much money, but because of lack of trust. But God took care of that through Jesus. See, so much of the time we try to rely on ourselves. We trust in ourselves, expecting us to be able to carry us through to whatever success that we want. But the truth is, my friends, we're not in this alone. We're not supposed to be in this alone. Not only do we have one another that God has given us, but we have God himself right there with us. He, he is the wisdom. He is the power. He is the strength. And he is the true wealth. Trust in him. Amen.